0: Today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Hospitals are being told actually to brace for what they call a spike in COVID-19 patients because the numbers are up and they're up again today here in Ontario, uh, frighteningly so. And uh, what impact is this going to have? But what impact is all of this having on the people that are there without COVID? Not everybody who goes to the hospital, not everybody who's in ICU uh, is a COVID patient, but uh, there are so many other things that happen in everyday hospital. Yet they seem to be under the same blanket about well, who can go in, who can visit, etc. And then and there's a, a, a question being raised, and I think a justifiable question right now, as to whether or not that's the right way to be handling these things. Uh, overflowing intensive care units and crowded new patient hospital wards have dominated COVID-19, but there's another story to be told here, and and maybe some reevaluation that has to happen with some of those policies. Joining us to talk about this is Dr. Alexander Rendelli, who is a staff physician in physical medicine and rehab at the University Health Network, Toronto. Rehab Center. Uh, doctor, thank you so much for joining us. Glad you could be with us here today.
1: Thanks for asking me to come on today. Uh, there's a
0: to there's a, there's a whole different element to this, isn't there? I mean, we, we know about COVID. We know that uh, if, if for instance, you have to go to a hospital for any such reason, I mean, that you, you're checked right at the door. They usually take your temperature and a number of things. But what happens to the people that are not there? I mean, you know, th- there are people there that are dealing with a number of different elements. Uh, the, you know, we're back into some elective surgeries and these things, so, so there are going to be overnight stays. Uh, we talk about the isolation of people in long-term care facilities and those that are in other facilities, too, where uh, visitation is not allowed. How is that impacting hospital patients?
1: Yeah, so a thing I keep hearing over and over again from most of my patients is how lonely they are, how isolated they feel, and how... They came in with one thing, but there are so much more emotional uh, consequences and sequelae that they're dealing with because of these overarching policies that have been made because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And so not only are they dealing with whatever medical condition brought them into hospital, there's now a whole extra layer of the physical uh, and mental together that they're coping with.
0: Well, there's you know there's a an element of of concern anytime you go into the hospital, whether it's for an elective procedure or whatever the case may be. In situations like this, uh, and let's face it, people get a little nervous, a little apprehensive just because of what may happen, and they're worried about the outcomes and things of this nature. Uh, if you're there all by yourself, I would imagine that just heightens that anxiety.
1: Definitely, and it's hard when you're dealing with a new medical diagnosis. You're hearing some life changing. Uh, news or you're, or you're going through an event or surgery, you're not fully processing everything that the doctors and the allied health team are telling you. So you're somewhat missing out often on information when you don't have another set of eyes and ears around with you. So that's an important point to consider. But you are high stress and you need those loved ones, those familiar faces, those people who understand you best to help you cope in those situations. And without having those care partners, you have this uh, other element of anxiety in addition to dealing with the already anxiety-provoking hospital visit. So, while it's important that we mitigate bringing in unnecessary uh, people into the hospital and we try and limit the amount of COVID-19 spread, we also have to weigh the pros and cons and and what that is doing for the patients that are there for other reasons. New moms giving birth, uh, patients going through surgeries, getting new cancer diagnoses. That's a lot to take in when you're by yourself especially if you're in a hospital for weeks on end.
0: I'm glad you brought that one point up because I did have this marked down. I wanted to mention this to you, too, about this idea about a second set of years. Uh, as you say, I mean, you, you know, you could be nervous. You could be actually medicated, a, a number of different variations, of course. Uh, and, and you could be getting what considers to be very important information. If you're not cognizant or if you're not remembering all of this stuff, uh, that can be a problem. That's why they always tell you, for instance, if you're going to go see a specialist about something, I always have another person with you can say, no, 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 this is what the doctor said. Oh, okay, all right, because your head's off in a, in a cloud somewhere. Sometimes when you're in situations like that, how do you make that accommodation under the current circumstances? Or you just say, well, we'd love to be able to do that, but we can't.
1: I will say the hospitals have done a great job of trying to increase their use of technology using iPads, other devices, um, cell phones, even room, room telephones to call in family members use language line interpreters to help have conversations with people where uh, English isn't their first language but it doesn't replace a family member digesting that information at bedside in the same way and so we're trying to do the best we can under the circumstances but it doesn't always work out that way especially think about our marginalized population that might not have a fixed address, doesn't necessarily have access to a telephone or the internet. We can't be calling in their loved ones. And so are we just not allowing them to have that same experience based on their situation? And with the patients um, that might not be able to see or hear or have cognitive uh, difficulties like dementia or just have medication side effects that don't allow them to process, it really is difficult to have a um, family member involved through a communication device. It's much, much different than having them at bedside. And while we're doing the best we can to help accommodate that, I don't think it's replacing how things were prior to the pandemic.
0: I've mentioned this to my listeners, but uh, just to bring you up, I had surgery uh, earlier this year, back in the early summer, just after the lockdown finished, and they were getting back into the surgeries in the hospitals here, Uh, and I had to go in by myself. I mean, my wife dropped me off the door, but she was not allowed in the building, and uh, Mm -hmm. you end up waiting about two, three hours before the surgery, and that builds up your apprehension to begin with, uh, and ended up having to have an overnight stay. But what really struck me, though, doctor, is that I was alone for a while, and then they brought another man into the, the other bed in the room. Uh, who, I, I don't know what nationality, but English was not his first language. And there's yeah. nobody there, there's no family member there, uh, uh, I, apparently nobody on staff, I guess, that, that spoke whatever language that he, he wanted to communicate in. That's That's got to be a very isolating and very lonely time for an individual like that.
1: Oh, definitely. My heart goes out to those individuals. when uh, When I come into the room and I can't communicate with my patient because we don't speak the same language, I will try and use a phone, try and connect with a family member and sometimes it's not a good time for that family member or they're working and uh, it's quite difficult. So it does impact their care in that moment and you have to get creative, uh, use other staff throughout the building if you can to help you communicate but it adds one more layer to their hospital stay. It it really does increase their anxiety, their isolation, um, adds to their overall kind of uh, impact from this new illness that they're dealing with. Uh, The same for individuals who might be delirious uh, because of dementia, things like that. It's hard to communicate when you don't know what cues or strategies work for that patient. Um, My grandmother's 103. She was in the hospital during the pandemic as well. She was alone for 10 days without anyone who kind of knew anything about her and the behavioral strategies that would have best assisted her to potentially get out of there sooner because none of her loved ones were allowed in. So it's it's, quite, um, it's been quite devastating, and part of uh, bringing this to attention was I wanted to give a voice to the patients that I've seen suffer by not being able to have their loved ones with them.
0: Uh,
1: I will shout out to all the nurses, allied health practitioners, physicians who are doing their best to uh, have family members involved by whatever means they can. It does take extra time in their day to find the phone to get other phone numbers, to try a second or third contact in order to help provide that care. But it really does make a difference to the care of those patients.
0: How important is our our family visits? I know, you know, there's there's two, there's a, a two ends of the spectrum here. I mean, the worst case scenario, of course, is you know the the loud boisterous people that are making too much noise and, and causing disturbances. That rarely happens. But I mean, uh, how important is it to actually have somebody in that room? I mean, for the patient's well-being, mental and physical well-being. Let's face it, we we know about the staffing shortages in hospitals these days. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, if I'm a patient and I'm hitting that buzzer, I'm expecting somebody to come in there immediately. Well, that's not always going to be the case. But if there's a family member there, uh, that can maybe move the pillow for you or get you that drink or do whatever it is I mean it it takes a little bit of the burden I would think off some of the staff
1: definitely and and there's a hashtag going around that patients are more uh, sorry family members that are more than a visitor and it's so true they help provide care they help decrease the burden on the uh, personal support workers the nursing staff but they can also be very tuned into whether or not there's a change or fluctuation in their loved one's medical kind of status. They're the first ones to identify that something seems a little bit off because they know what's going on. Especially patients that have had chronic diseases, been in and out of hospital several times over the years, they know what to look out for, and that's invaluable compared to a new team getting to know a patient uh, for the first time. Uh, So they provide both medical kind of eyes and ears from the patient perspective, but can do some of those small things that take the burden off uh, our already stretched hospital system. So, doctor, go ahead. no, go ahead, okay, From our, our perspective, uh, it's and, and myself and um, Courtney Sass, uh, and a phenomenal social worker, who helped write this article uh, with me that was published yesterday. Uh, we really do think that it's um, the, the the care providers from the loved ones that are instrumental and should be put into a patient's care plan the way that we personalize their medications, personalize how often we're checking their temperature, their other vital signs, give directions in terms of what foods they should be eating. So it really should just be another list in terms of personalization to the hospitalization process.
0: Uh, we're in a second wave you've heard the numbers this morning too that you know the up and gain in ontario uh, hospitals right across the province have been ordered to brace for what they consider to be a spike in covid 19 patients uh so the chances of any flexibility here to, for hospitals to read that your very important piece that was a uh, we found this on the cbc page uh, and, and say well maybe we need to reconsider this it's probably not going to happen anytime soon is it
1: So as as everything has changed since last March, kind of going with the ebbs and flows, I think uh, hospitals are going to continue to do their best to work with the information they have and uh, uh, use whatever information they can to make the policies as patient-centered as possible. I do think it's going to be a bit more challenging as cases continue to rise to kind of open up the doors a bit more. but. Patient safety, staff safety is our number one priority and concern. Mm -hmm. And so that includes using family members, loved ones, their support system to help with hospitalization, even if there is an increase in uh, COVID uh, cases. So can we give their loved ones the proper protective equipment the way that we do with the hospital staff to make it safe for everyone? I think we just need to be creative uh, based on what's happening both in the community and within the particular hospital that the patient's being admitted to
0: and i think that's one of the takeaways here as we finish up here that uh, that hospitals understanding the reality here of the pandemic and and you know the safety of not just the patients but of the staff are, are endeavoring to do whatever they can to try to help the patients i, I don't want to leave people with the idea mm-hmm. that that once you're in a hospital for whatever reason that you're on your own because uh, that's not the case at all uh this puts an extra burden on staff doctors nurses and, and everybody in the hospital facility right now but uh, your point is well taken and you mentioned that in the piece today too doctor that that you know they are looking at Uh, at you know social media they're looking at at, at, you know communication devices of all natures to try to to try to mitigate the impact that it's going to have on the patient
1: exactly we want people to still come to the hospital if they're feeling unwell for whatever reason covid or not we don't want people suffering at home we want to be able to help uh, as best we can and we will try uh, the best we can to make it as um, not isolating but Uh, friendly and welcoming as we possibly can with the resources we have. So I want patients to be reassured we're doing everything to make it as comfortable as we can despite everything that's going on.
0: Well, uh, just this morning, of course, they made the announcement here in the Canadian media that uh, the newsmakers of the year, and it's plural this year, are the frontline health workers uh, that are are bearing this extra burden, of course, and have ever since the the initial shutdown. Uh, And that includes you, Doctor. Uh, It's a great piece today. I I encourage people to read it and get that perspective on this. Uh, Thank you for the time today, and thank you for the great work and the dedication that you and your staff uh, have shown uh, through this whole thing. And uh, pass our our best wishes to you, yourself, and to Courtney Sass, uh, your co-author in this piece, as well
1: thanks so much thanks for having us on and happy holidays
0: see you too doctor thanks so much dr alexander brindelli of course staff physician at the health networks toronto rehab institute the bill kelly show weekdays from nine to noon on 900 chml